and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 97. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. We're into December now as this episode goes out. It's Christmas season. Hope all your holiday plans, whatever that means for you, are going along swimmingly. I'm recording today basking in the glow of the currently unlit Christmas tree. Uh, The tree's up, the lights are upon it, although it's not turned on at the moment. But I can still bask in the imagined glow because I, among many other things, am an awesome Christmas tree decorator, uh, if I do say so myself. And I just did. Yeah, a little bit of news this week, nothing uh, earth-shattering. Well, okay, maybe one guy tried to shatter the earth, but we'll get to him in a minute. Hold on one second. I left something in the other room. Entertain yourself for a moment. You know, a lot of people think Billy and I argue all the time. Actually, we agree on just about everything, right, Bill? You betcha, George. We even drink the same beer. Light beer from Miller. Light's got a third less calories than the regular beer, and it's less filling. And the best thing is it tastes so great. No, George, the best thing is less filling. No, Bill, it tastes great. Less filling, George. Billy, it tastes great. Less filling, George. Billy? Yeah, George. You're hired. Not again. Light beer from Miller. Everything you always wanted in a beer, and less. Did I say hired? All right. I'm back. I hope you didn't mind entertaining yourself. Hey, put that down. You don't know where it's been. Focus on the show, please. Alright. So, it's the holiday season, right? So, like all of you, uh, my mailbox has been stuffed with random catalogs for various things. And a couple items in the holiday 2017 Sharper Image catalog caught my eye. One of them and feel free to send me one of these, is the Pac-Man's Arcade Party. This appears to be a full-size or near-full-size Pac-Man cabinet. At least the uh, cabinet itself has all sorts of Pac-Man artwork on it. But it includes a bunch of different games. It is, you know, reading from the ad copy, packed with retro favorites. There's Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Galaga, Rally X, Mappy, Exevius, Galaxian, Pac-Mania, Rolling Thunder, Bosconian, I don't know what that is, Dragon Spirit, Galaga 88, and Dig Duck. 19-inch diagonal LCD screen and authentic controls. Plugs into an AC outlet, white glove delivery service available. And there's a video online, I guess, at the Sharper Image website. I did not go look at that video. 33 inches in length, 24 inches wide, 58 inches high, 240 pounds. This thing sells for $2,950. You can also get a cocktail table version. Wood grain finish shown below. Uh, Here, can you all see in the back? All right, but you can also get it in black. Uh, That one also is $2,950. So I'm gonna be waiting by my mailbox, you know, waiting by my front door for the UPS guy to uh, pull up and get out its hand truck and haul this thing up to my front door because I really want this. And I said to my wife, it's Christmas. I really want this. And she said, well, it's not important what she said. So, you know, if any of you would like to send that to me, please do. If any of you happen to pick this up for yourself or uh, a friend that you actually know and like, as opposed to some random stranger who hosts a podcast that you listen to, uh, although I don't see the logic in that, you know, if you happen to get one of these in your life somehow, let me know, you know, what it's like. 
how it is. Is it is it really a party as promised? There was something else in here that I noticed. See if I can find it now. This is the part of the show where I sit here and read a catalog uh, on this audio podcast because that is riveting listening right there. Sharper Image has lots of things designed to take hair off various parts of your body. Uh, male or female, just saying. This isn't what I was looking for, but there is a Bluetooth virtual reality headset with earphones. And the picture of this guy, he looks like a doofus wearing this thing, uh, which is my really my big problem with virtual reality devices, because you look like an idiot wearing it. Just saying. A rechargeable six-pack ab stimulator, which they've put on this guy who clearly doesn't need this thing and has gotten like good abs by actually doing ab exercises as opposed to wearing this stupid $100 device on his body. Uh, that's not what I was looking for either, actually. Let's see. Where the heck is it? I know what you're thinking. This better be good for all this uh, waiting I'm making you done. Here it is. For $99.99, you can get a set of four 7-inch tall miniature arcade cabinets. If, like my wife, you're too cheap. She hasn't listened to the show, so I can say that. You're too cheap to buy the person you care about most, the full-size Pac-Man party cabinet. You can get them this set of four miniature arcade cabinets. If you remember last week, the week before, I talked to you about that guy who was doing the Kickstarter to raise money to build arcade machine replicas. The first one he was starting with was Centipede. I think he said he wanted to do Tempest next. This is not that. His things are, are pieces of art that are really authentic. They're miniature, but they're authentic, complete with the right controls and, and even little miniature coin slots. You know, full-on replica machines in miniature form. These are arcade cabinet-looking items. There's Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Space Invaders, and Galaxian. They work. Uh, they have sound effects. They have a key fob. Keep in your cubicle, man cave, or game room for a true blast from the past. They look fun. They don't look exactly like an arcade cabinet, which I guess is what the uh, Kickstarter guy was going for. So, that, you know, you lose out on that. But they do look arcade cabinet-ish. Uh, it's probably kind of a little fun diversion. So, and it's a lot cheaper, obviously, than the Pac-Man party cabinet. So, 100 bucks gets you four of these things. I guess you get one of each, right? Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Space Invaders, and Galaxian. So, also kind of fun. Yeah, I get it. Holidays, you know, the budget's kind of tight. If you don't have the cash to send me the Pac-Man party cabinet, yeah, I'll, I'll take a set of these. That's okay. So, you know, let me know when I can expect those to arrive. All right, well, that's enough shopping for right now. From the, well, the world is pretty screwed up already, so why not add this into the mix? Department, we have self-taught rocket scientist, Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike, who lives in California, had a plan to prove that the Earth is flat. Uh, He was all set to launch a rocket that he built himself, self-taught, as I said. Uh, Let's see. He's a 61-year-old limo driver. Spent the last few years building a steam-powered rocket out of salvage parts in his garage. Cost him about 20000 bucks, including the Rust-Oleum paint to fancy it up, and a motorhome he bought on Craigslist that he converted into a ramp. He was going to launch the rocket between 2 and 3 p.m. on Saturday afternoon in an effort to prove that a conspiracy of astronauts fabricated the shape of the Earth. He was going to shoot himself 1,800 feet high in the sky, 500 miles an hour, uh, in the Mojave Desert, in the hopes that he could photograph that we don't live on a globe, we live on a huge disk. 
he's quoted in an article as saying, it'll shut the door on this ball Earth. He has various theories, uh, including NASA's being controlled by round Earth Freemasons, and Elon Musk is making fake rockets from blimps. He's not entirely new to the rocket thing. In 2002, he set a Guinness World Record for a limousine jump, and he's been building rockets for years with mixed results. According to this article, he's been trying to build this particular rocket for a long time. He couldn't raise the cash. Finally, he reached out to the Flat Earth believers and found some cash there, which makes me really skeptical whether he's a true Flat Earther or if he just wants their money. I don't know. But the answer as to whether we're all you know, living on a big giant disc and if we sailed far enough, uh, we would only be saved from falling off of it unless the uh, dragons ate us. Mad Mike didn't say that part, but historically, uh, that's what we were told, right? If you look from, at maps from ancient times, you see you know, land, ocean, 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 huge-ass dragon uh, ready to eat you. So I'm assuming Mike was going to get the dragon to say cheese and you know, blow this whole thing wide open. But then this happened. Last Wednesday, as I record this, the Wednesday before the Saturday he would have launched, the motorhome rocket launcher broke down in his driveway. Plus, after uh, he started giving interviews, you know, announcing that this launch was going to happen, shockingly, the government got curious about this. First, the United States Bureau of Land Management came knocking and said, uh, yeah, you can't do that, at least not where he wanted to do it, I guess, which was, I think, somewhere in the Mojave Desert. He says originally the Bureau of Land Management told him that it was up to the, the Federal Aviation Administration to approve the launch. The FAA apparently said, we can't honestly approve, we just know that you're going to do it there. Which I guess he took to mean, we're not going to say yes or no, we're aware of it, but we're not, we don't have a permit for that? I don't know. Bureau of Land Management and the FAA had a squabble over this. Land Management didn't want him to do it. But then like I say, then his mobile home launch pad broke down. He's promising we want everyone to please stay tuned. Uh, he's got a YouTube page uh, where he's going to post updates, and he hopes to try again next week, which would be around the time that you're listening to this episode, actually. So, uh, you know, look, you watch the skies. Don't plan any uh, international trips before you check with Mike to see if you're going to fall off the edge of the Earth. If you do happen to fall off the edge of the Earth, uh, try to send me a quick email to tell me what it's like, because uh, that sounds sort of horrifying and cool at the same time. So keep us updated. Godspeed to you, Mad Mike. What else is going on? Oh, hey! We just passed... Uh, actually, as I'm recording this, the day I'm recording this is November 26th. And today is Charles M. Schultz's birthday. Uh, born in 1922, went on to create the iconic Peanuts comic strip, a thing to which I've devoted a whole other podcast. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown is the name of that show, which I've mentioned every week on this show. Today is Mr. Schultz's birthday. Uh, he sadly, of course, passed away in 2000. But... He's given uh, the world so much joy through his creation that we like to take note of his birthday. So that was November 26th. Happy birthday, Mr. Schultz. What else is going on? Uh, no more news, I guess. Uh, I'll just do the uh, plug that I've been doing every week now during the holiday season. I wrote a novel called In the Saint Nick of Time. It's a Christmas story for adults because I thought, you know, you never really quit believing in Santa Claus, even if you say you do. At least I didn't. Uh, confession time. So I thought it was time for adults to have a Santa Claus story of their own, so I wrote one. It's called In the Saint Nick of Time. It is for adults. There's some naughty words and a little bit of gunplay, and, and uh, it's Santa Claus quitting his job, going down to Santa Claus, Indiana, which is a real place, uh, and hanging out with a sort of depressed, frustrated, uh, formerly very successful writer who's having uh, career problems and problems with his ex-wife, 
and is hanging out with his buddy Dogwater Hunt, who is a, an avowed conspiracy theorist and obsessed with space aliens. He's convinced that aliens are going to visit Earth on Christmas Eve. There's a lot of humor in the book, a lot of heart to it. I really enjoyed writing it. I think you guys would enjoy listening, reading it. You know, I guess if you paid me enough, I'd record an audiobook for it. But, you know, I think you'll enjoy reading it. Please consider picking that up wherever you like to get your books. And then please also make sure you leave a review, like on Amazon or something, so that other people can hear about the book. All right, that's enough uh, advertising for myself and Mad Ma- uh, Mad Mike Hughes. I think it's time we get on with this week's game. This week's game is... Introducing a better mousetrap. It's Exidy's Mousetrap. The video cartridge that looks and plays like the arcade game and makes everybody happy. The mouse loves to eat the cheese. The cat loves to chase the mouse. And best of all, the mouse can turn into a dog and chase the cat. What's the matter? It's only a game. Play Mousetrap on your ColecoVision, Atari 2600 VCS, or Intellivision video game system. But watch out for the hawk. What's the matter? It's only a game. Mousetrap from Exidy, 1981. I'm pretty sure this is the first Exidy game that we've had. You know, the, the, the cartridge looks exactly like the Donkey Kong cartridge. Same color, same label, same font, same coloring on, on the lettering. It's very easy, except it says Mousetrap instead of Donkey Kong. It's very easy to confuse with the Donkey Kong cartridge. And uh, it's a Coleco cartridge that I'm looking at. But Exidy, I guess, made the game. The manual has a picture of a uh, you know, sort of carefree mouse holding a piece of cheese, sort of, you know, not explicitly, but in tone, giving the finger to the very uh, annoyed hound dog and a cat that looks to be stoned on catnip. We're told that it's dinner time and you're simply starving. What you would do for a nice chunk of cheese, a slice of old-fashioned Swiss would be nice, or even better, a morsel of camembert. Mmm... I'm going to guess this is the first and only time that the word camembert appeared in an Atari uh, game manual. I don't know. I have to ask Scott Rhodes about that. Uh, Anyway, dreaming of cheese won't get you anywhere. You're going to have to earn your lunch. As a hungry but clever mouse, you'll have to chomp your way through a maze of corridors and doors while avoiding starving cats who want nothing better than to eat you. But those feline fanatics aren't as crafty as you are. You can outrun them. You can confuse them by opening and shutting trapdoors. And, with a stash of bones in reserve... You can fool these furry menaces by turning into a cat-biting dog. And the race is on. We're using the joystick for this one. On the 2600, select color with the TV switch. Oh, here's an idea that I hadn't thought about. For an even more challenging game, set it to black and white to make the mazes, cheese, and bones invisible. Interesting. If you are using an Atari 7800, press pause to play in the invisible maze. Huh, I didn't notice that part of the instructions before I started playing. Uh, to go back to the visible maze, turn the power off and then on again. Well, hell, I gotta try this now. Alright. Let's do that right. Oops. Let's do that right now. Oh my goodness, look at that. You see the mouse and the cats in their normal position. Oh, when the cat gets you for that instant that your life is draining out of your body. Uh, you can actually see the maze. So you get a quick peek at the maze. Uh, well, they're right. It is definitely more challenging. Uh, I guess you probably wouldn't want to do that until you've played this game a whole bunch. And you've kind of got the mazes memorized. 
Uh, Alright, but I tried it. It was, you know, a matter of science. I took, I, uh, took a shot. Uh, anyway, uh, set the left difficulty switch to adjust the cat's intelligence, A for smart cats or B for stupid cats. Set the right difficulty switch to adjust the cat's speed, A for fast cats or B for slow cats. Reset starts the game or begins a new game. Hold the joystick so that the fire button is on the top left corner. Uh, push the handle up, down, left, or right to scamper through corridors and doors. Press the fire button once, slowly, to open or shut a trap door. Let me tell you, it's really hard to press a button slowly, but you kind of get the hang of it after a while. Press it once quickly to change the mouse into a dog. Um, like I said, it takes a little while to get used to that, but once you do, it's not so bad. Your goal is to eat your way through a series of mazes and win points. To do so, you must run over every morsel of cheese in each maze while avoiding the cats. If you succeed and live to tell about it, you'll advance to the next maze. As cat-infested as the previous one, and even more challenging. To trick the cats, change the shape of the maze by opening and shutting trapdoors. Even better, turn into a dog and turn the tables on them. You'll even win points. Be careful, your dog phases are short, lasting only a few seconds. The mouse-to-dog transformation is possible only if you have at least one bone on reserve. To stockpile up to four bones at a time, gobble them up as you run through the maze, but watch your bone reserve. No bone, no dog. You'll start the race with three mice. If you run into a cat, you'll go to mouse heaven. Wow. You don't even get to go to a farm upstate like the dog would. Wow. Uh, the game is over when you use up all of your mice. And that's it. That's the instructions. For points, uh, eat a cheese, you get one point. Bite a cat, ten points. Clear a maze, hundred points. So yeah, so this is not a real high scoring game. Uh, each time your score reaches a multiple of 500, you get a bonus mouse. Alright, well, not to spoil anything, but I really like this game. Uh, we'll talk about that more in a minute. The 1981 arcade uh, maze game Mousetrap was developed by Exidy, as I said. It was ported to the uh, Atari 2600, obviously, ColecoVision, and Intellivision. It was a ColecoVision launch title in 1982, and the Atari and Intellivision versions came later. According to Electronic Games in 1983, Mousetrap was unsuccessful because arcade owners viewed it as basically another maze game. Wah, wah. The Atari 2600 vision, uh, version ported by Coleco was, had simpler graphics and gameplay. Uh, the maze is more squat with brighter walls and doors form a single colored uh, set that flickers. Uh, the gameplay basics are the same as the uh, ColecoVision version, uh, but the hawk, the inn area, and the bonus prizes are missing. There are three cats instead of six, and all the doors move at once. Scoring is also reduced significantly. As I said, it is a pretty low-scoring game. In the Clico version, the point values were 90 for cheese. Cats get, are worth 100, 300, 500, 700, 900, and 1100 points. The Intellivision version has an audio warning when a cat is about to enter the maze, but has, according to this uh, thing that I'm reading, blocky graphics. I've never actually played Mousetrap on Intellivision, or ColecoVision for that matter, so I can't really speak to any of that. In 1982, Buckner and Garcia recorded the song Mousetrap using sound effects from the game and released it on the album Pac-Man Fever. When they re-recorded the album in 1999, they were unable to find a machine and use sounds from nature instead. Alright. I don't think I've heard the Pac-Man Fever album. I've heard of it, but I don't think I've ever actually listened to the album. Um, if any of you have any personal knowledge of Pac-Man Fever, uh, if it's you know the soundtrack to your life or something, let me know. The Atari Times in 2002 wrote that Exidy released Mousetrap in the arcades in 1981, at which point the game was largely ignored as folks rushed to the more popular games in the same genre, such as Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man. 
Coleco made the curious decision to buy the licenses for a ton of less popular arcade titles and port them to the famed ColecoVision, as well as other platforms. Uh, this reviewer owned a copy of Mousetrap for ColecoVision, but never really warmed up to it because the controls were horrible, but he enjoys Coleco's port of Mousetrap for the Atari. Never will approach the quality of his favorite arcade maze titles for the 2600, such as Ms. Pac-Man, but Mousetrap is a nice diversion and beats the socks off the awful Pac-Man title for the old Stella. He mentioned some of the things that are different between the Coleco version and the Atari version, some of the twists that differentiate uh, Mousetrap from Pac-Man, we kind of talked about that already, or we will in the field report. The graphics are very nice. Uh, for once, screen flicker is utilized quite well as the doors in the maze flicker, thus preventing them from blending in with the solid walls. The cat's mouse and dog are animated well, it's easy to identify the large colorful characters in the game. While Coleco absolutely bungled such ports as Zaxxon and Donkey Kong for the 2600, the company did a very nice job with the graphics and mousetrap. The sound effects are quite good. The music is a bit on the bloopy side, but adds to the whimsical atmosphere of the game. What's really impressive, however, is that the dog barks convincingly when activated, and that feature also boosts the overall quality of the title. He likes the controls. The only gripe he has is that the game can be quite easy. You can set it for smart cats or dumb cats, and fast cats and slow cats, but storing up enough, bo enough bones to stay out of trouble becomes second nature after only a after a few tries. The videogamecritic.com called the game a thinking man's Pac-Man. Requires more skill and strategy than your garden variety of maze game. One thing that kind of freaks me out is how the mouse head is constantly moving its mouth. At first I thought this was, I thought he was just chewing on cheese, but now I'm convinced he's trying to tell me something. The game only has one notable sound effect, and that's a screech that's heard, heard as your dog snags a cat. Hey, that sounds like a real cat. Honestgamers.com uh, asks, or, or notes, I'm not sure why the mouse looks so happy, all things considered, as a number of possibly starving felines patrol the corridors of the maze. Working in the mouse's favor were a few dog biscuits, which would turn, in, uh, turn it into a dog that could rip through the cats like me through a Thanksgiving turkey drumstick, sending them back to their cages, much like Pac-Man could do to ghosts. The Atari 2600 version stays true to the arcade game in spirit, if not in execution. Being able to have at least some control over the maze as well as control exactly when it was time to become a dog were a couple of nice touches that allowed Mousetrap to not be the monumental disappointment that Pac-Man was on the 2600. And when I was growing up, that was good enough for me. They give it 5 out of 10. The A to Z of Atari 2600 Games Volume 1 calls the game not the best maze game on the VCS, but it's a solid effort nonetheless which will appeal to fans of the Yellow Pill Popper. Alright, well, after the break, the cheese stands alone, the cheese stands alone, hi-ho the dario, the cheese stands alone, because the cat gutted the mouse. Coming this summer to theaters. Cat. Mouse. The ultimate game of cat and mouse. To ever feature a cat and a mouse. Meow! Squeak, 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 squeak! Coming this summer, 2018. Hide the cheese. Cover the sandbox. You do not want to be alone with these furry things. Meow! Squeak! Alright, so Mousetrap, everyone knows, looks exactly like Pac-Man except with a cat and a mouse running around the screen. 
the cats replace the ghosts, uh, the mouse. Now, I'm looking at the opening screen here, and I noticed two things. One, the mouse really doesn't look like a mouse. Uh, the cats look like cats. I also noticed that I'm playing on A level, meaning the cats are smart. Um, I'm also not doing very well because I'm trying to talk while I play. Um, it's turned into a dog. Sort of a Hulk transformation thing. Uh-oh. Um, but the other thing I noticed is that the cats on smart level, I haven't actually played on, you know, dumb cat level, they will not attack you. They wait for you to come to them. Which is smart. I guess, because you're on the smart cat level. Um, I'm gonna start this again. Now, like I said, it looks exactly like Pac-Man, but of course it's got a couple things over Pac-Man. The trapdoor thing. Um, the, the dog bone turning to a dog thing, I guess, is sort of like, you know, turning into the, uh, the Pac-Man that can eat the ghosts. Um, but the trapdoor thing is, is a little extra touch. Obviously the Pac-Man doesn't have. I kind of like it. Uh, I kind of like how some of the, you have to use those trapdoors to actually get out of certain points because you can box yourself in. You can't really do that in Pac-Man. You can get caught by a ghost, but you can't really box yourself in. Uh, and that's kind of cool. Um, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think in a lot of ways, you know, Pac-Man is sort of the classic, iconic arcade game. But I almost, for this kind of game, I almost kind of like this game better. Uh, I don't know if that's a controversial statement or not, but, uh, you know, there it is. My initial reaction. This is the first time I've ever sat down and played this game. My initial reaction is, Mousetrap, at least the home you know, Atari version, better than Pac-Man. Back to you in the studio. Here's the thing about Mousetrap. I really like this game, for all the reasons we've already talked about. It's Pac-Man Plus, in a sense. It's not just running around the maze, helping, you know, bumping into ghosts occasionally, and, and if you've had a power pill, being able to gobble them up. Here, there is one of the reviews I read called it a thinking man's Pac-Man, right? You get to choose when to turn into a dog. You can go after the, the cats. The cats don't come to you, necessarily. They're trying to trap you, but they're smart enough to uh, make you come to them. I like that. I like the trapdoor thing, because uh, you can, you know, trap yourself in corners in this maze, unlike Pac-Man, and the only way you can get out is a well-timed opening of the trapdoors. Uh, I like that. I, I like this game a lot. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good maze. I never played the arcade version. I can't really compare it to that. I've never played the ColecoVision version, which some of the reviews suggested maybe is a little better, but, you know, I'm very happy with the Atari version, so there you go. This game just goes to show, even among rodents, 
a mouse has got to do what a mouse has got to do. In this week's story, you know, the story within the game, stubborn pride, necessity, and hunger melt together in a cheese fondue, poised to boil over onto the stovetop of life. Or something. Nick wiped a bit of something from his whiskers. Clearly, the latest transformation had been eventful. He didn't usually remember what he did when he changed, what he allowed himself to do. In his other persona, it always left him feeling exhausted, hollow, and occasionally covered in fuzz-filled gore. Nick hunkered down in his mouse hole. He was hungry. That was a side effect of the transformation, too. There were no cheese crumbs on the bit of shredded paper from the food section of the paper that he made his nest with. Wendy, the vole, shuffled in on the three legs she had left. I'm hungry, she said. I know, he said. We can't go on like this. You should call him. No. He owes you, Wendy pointed out. I don't want anything from that sellout. He's your brother, Wendy said. He's got money. It's time for him to do right by this family. Nick snorted at that, which set off a coughing fit. <coughs> Ain't enough room in this clubhouse. Ain't, uh, Ain't enough room in that clubhouse of his for the family. Your pride will kill us quicker than the cat. Nick's pulse raced at the mention of the cat. He fought back the urge to change, to go after it. There was so much cheese for the taking in the kitchen, and that stupid cat was always in the way. Life was as stingy with breaks for Nick as it was with slices of cheddar. Still, they needed to eat. Nick rose slowly on aching feet. I'll be back. Wendy wrinkled her whiskered nose. I hope so. Wendy had a hard time scrounging for food, even with 42 babies to feed. Nick had heard there was a mouse doctor at the old candy factory who had pioneered the use of lollipop sticks as artificial mouse limbs. Maybe he could help Wendy for a price. Nick could ask his brother for money, but... No, can't think about that now. Need to focus. As he moved within the walls, the baseboards thumped from the television on the other side, blurring over his, one of his brother's TV shows. Every time one of those episodes aired, Nick's brother got a residual check. And every time it ran, Nick knew the humans would be crowded around the TV with cats on their laps. Scrounging would be relatively easy. The humans would be yucking it up at Nick's brother's antics on those dopey shows, and the cheese would be his for the taking. But unfortunately today, as soon as Nick emerged from behind the refrigerator, his eye on a bit of Swiss, the calico was on him. Guess today's episode was a rerun. Nick scurried around table legs and in and out of cupboards. Mouths full of crumbs kept Nick from squeaking out over his aching joints. Where was the lunchbox? The idiot human boy always took some baby bell cheeses in his lunch, and always left half of one in his open lunchbox when he got home. Always. But where was it? Oh, this place is such a damn maze. He couldn't find anything. The meowing and hissing was more intense today. What was Mr. Jingle's deal? Nick moved behind the entertainment center. Mr. Jingle's kitty bed was on the shelf between the old Laserdisc player and a TV that was so old it had no video, just sound. His tail was thumping and his hissing was pretty annoying overhead as Nick examined a stale cheese puff. But Nick quickly realized the meowing was coming from behind him. The damn family got another cat. Nick looked back there, and sure enough, a tabby was peering through the back of the entertainment center. Nick quickened his pace. He crept out of a hole beneath the fake fireplace and was immediately pounced on by a jet-black kitten. A third cat? 
Was the great cheesemaker in the sky that pissed off at Nick? The familiar darkness stirred within. Nick froze. Hell wagged its tail in his brain, but he couldn't do it. Not now. Razor-sharp claws swept at him from outside the fate fireplace. Nick was tired, starving. His will was weak. He looked around, and sure enough, one of the dog bones he had stashed there was still there. He knew what he must do. He gobbled the bone, and his mind went dark. When these transformations were over, he never remembered exactly what happened, but he remembered the sense of what happened. The screeching, the flying fur, the gore. Nick awoke again, back in his mouse hole. A pile of cheese filled one corner. He was achy and tired and shivering, but he had done what he needed to do to get that food. He wiped some of the mess from his fur and called out to Wendy. Wendy, he said, we can eat now. It's all good. But Wendy didn't answer. Wendy? Nick looked around the mouse hole that they called home, which didn't take long because it was fairly small. No Wendy. Perhaps she had gone looking for food herself, but that's when he saw it. Wendy's tail was sticking out from a pile of shredded paper in one corner. Wendy, what are you doing in there? Stiffly, Nick hobbled over to the shredded paper. He touched the tail gently. Wendy, are you sleeping in the middle of the day? But Wendy wasn't sleeping. In fact, there was no Wendy attached to that tail. The cats, it seemed, had gotten their revenge. (sighs) Nick was too weak to do much at that point. He certainly couldn't muster the energy to go after the cats, and what would it point would it serve? Cats and mice had been playing this cat and mouse game for generations. He was never going to get out of this cycle. Cheese, mouse, cat, death. But there was one thing he could do. He went to the phone and dialed the number. Yes. Hello. I'd like to speak to Mitch, please, Nick said. It's his brother, Nick. Uh, Nicky, mouse. There was a pause while the connection was made, and then a familiar but somehow distant voice from long, long ago got on the other end of the line. Hey, Mick, uh, it's your brother, Nick. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incomptech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Pinball Spring, and Take a Chance. You can find show notes, episodes, social media links, and all sorts of other stuff uh, on our website, ataribytes.libson.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And, as you know, in a bold leap into 2010, Atari Bytes is now on Instagram. So go check out the random weirdness that I post there from time to time. You already know, of course, you can find Atari Bytes on pretty much whatever podcast uh, podcatcher you choose. But wherever you like to get your podcasts, please stick your furry little nose out of the iTunes mouse hole and deposit a review like a hunk of Gouda to tell people how great this show is. And then... When you scurry back into your mouse hole, tell the 47 other rodents that live there with you about the show as well. You can also support the show financially on our Patreon page, the Atari Bytes Patreon page, or by picking up Atari Bytes merchandise at Zazzle.com. T-shirts, mugs, stickers, tote bags, all sorts of stuff. Links to all of that in the show notes. 
And if you have time, I plugged this earlier, I'll plug it again. Check out my other podcast, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, for all your Charlie Brown and Snoopy needs. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes. In honor of the second film in the newest trilogy of Star Wars movies, Episode 8, The Last Jedi, which it seems to me sounds more like the title of the final part of a trilogy, but they didn't ask me, but it's dropping anyway in December. So in honor of that, we're playing a game based on the second film in the original trilogy, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Thank you.